Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, by now, you probably know that I have, when I come here, it's so refreshing. It's like a special time for me being at my church. Huh? This is very nice. And you know that I have Pastor, Pastor Andy Bonner's house. This is my vacation home. Hey, Jesus, I come normally to talk about special subject, but this, is, this subject is particularly special to me. And I call it, I need help. I need help. I don't know about you, but I need help. And <laughs> I need help. Can you repeat after me? Help! <laughs> help! Some of you, you need to say that because you don't have a chance to say it. And you are in a situation where you are in need for help. Can you say, help? help. Yeah, you need help. Why don't we read the psalm together? Psalm 121. I, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot sleep. He watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, in a room filled with people like this, it becomes evident that each person is unique, bearing their struggle, triumph, and experiences. Yet amidst this diversity, there is a powerful unifier, the fundamental human need for help. I need help. You need help. Everybody needs help. My family's journey highlights the challenging situation in both Haiti and the United States. Uh, I... I, I I, I, I think I feel better when I am speaking and my family is here. My wife is here. My son Dominic and Abdel are here. Can I have you stand up? You make me look good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, in Haiti... Uh, two years ago, I had, to, uh, I, I had to bring my family here. My son are born in Haiti. I met my wife in Haiti uh, 21 years ago. And uh, two years ago, I had to bring them in Haiti because the closure of schools due to gang activities and anti-government demonstration affected their ed my son's education opportunities. On the other hand... Once they come to the United States, my sons had to face the distressing experience of Code Red 
situation in their classrooms, highlighting the safety concern in certain regions in Florida where they live. And it emphasizes the need for support and assistance in both countries, addressing issues related to education and security. I need help. You need help. We are a dedicated family that had set out, out to serve in a remote village in Haiti. We are deeply committed to share our faith, nurturing new believers, training leaders, planting churches, helping the less fortunate, and spreading love and compassion to those in need. As we embark on this challenging journey, this church became our unwavering support system. The church members understood the importance of their mission and embraced the family with open arms. You always recognize the sacrifice we were making to serve others in Haiti. Even amidst of your own financial struggle, the member of this church always demonstrated incredible faithfulness in supporting our family's mission. Your prayers and even your sacrificial gifts ensure we had the necessary means to continue our vital work. During this time, this church, I believe, was also facing challenges of its own. You had been dreaming of expanding your building to accommodate the growing congregation and to provide more community outreach programs. I believe that the costs were daunting and the church needed significant financial help to turn your vision into reality. But what I noticed is that despise, despite the pressing need for your own building project, you choose to prioritize supporting us. Your selfless commitment demonstrated the true essence of Christian love and solidarity. Through the years, my family's impact on the remote villages of Haiti have always been remarkable. We have built schools, provide medical aid, established a nurturing community that lifted spirit of those who served. The support from this church not only sustained my family, but also empowered us to make lasting differences in the lives of countless people in need. So far, we are here with deep gratitude in our hearts for the unwavering support that you, we have received from you. The church's building project you see became a reality, and it's thanks to collective effort and faithfulness of all of you. The story of my family and this church 
will remain always as an example to serve as a powerful instrument to strengthen of the, to strengthen faith, to show compassion and community support. Our story together reminds us that even amidst of own challenges, we can extend a helping hand to those in need, trusting that our collective effort will bring about positive changes in the world. I mention this to remind you that I need help. And you need help also. People from everywhere need help. And from King's David, King David's generation to our own, this inherent need for help remains constant. As we dwell, delve into Psalm 121, we find solace and guidance in seeking help from a higher source. Just like King David pondered, where does my help come from? We too can explore the timeless wisdom of this psalm and discover the unwavering support available to us all. I believe that what David is saying is that when we all need help, we do not look back because the old has passed. We do not just move forward because we need specific instructions, otherwise we will fail. We do not look to the right nor to the left because people may fail us. We do not look down because guilt and shame are not from God. I want you to do like David. Just look up and beyond. This morning, I want you to understand first of all what David means when he says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Secondly, I want to invite you to think about three kinds of help that you might need. Thirdly, we want to see three ways. He says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Don't you remember what happened in that conversation Jesus had in John 4, 19, 21 with the Samaritan woman? We read, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain. But you Jews claim that that place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So when David is talking about the mountain, it is like a pilgrim who seeks to enter into God's presence and he is asking the question, how am I going to get there? I know you study Psalm 24, where verse 3 asks the question, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? However, Psalm 121 asks the question, where my help is coming from if I must get to the mountain so I can enter into the presence of the Lord. To lift my eyes to the mountain is like a journey to the presence of God. And you say, how will I get there? This is a long journey. It represents a big project. It represents a giant step forward. A major decision that you have to make so that you can achieve a goal. This is a pain that you're going through. And like David, you wonder, from which direction my help is going to come? The mountains worry you. The mountain gets us even depressed sometimes. However, what I would like to remind you is that from reading the Bible, you should not let the mountains worry you. You should not let the mountains let you down. Because in Genesis 8 verse 4, it is on a mountain called Ararat that the ark of Noah that represents Jesus Christ stood. And that everyone who entered in it according to Noah, they could have life. I want you to remember that it, it was in Genesis 2, 1, on a mountain called Moriah that God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, are you really preparing yourself to receive the blessing that I had for you? You should not forget in 1 Kings 18 that it was on a mountain called Carmel that the prophet Eli stood and he challenged the prophet of Baal. You know, he cut the head and won the victory for God 
It was on the mountain of transfiguration that special followers of Jesus Christ in Matthew 17, they witnessed the glory of God. And so that's why I beg you this morning, in the powerful name of Jesus, that you should stop worrying about the mountain. I'm asking you to have faith. Faith of a mustard seed that you can say, mountain, move. And they will obey you according to Jesus' word. David says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help Come from. Well, as I stand before you this morning, I'm looking at the mountains. It's definitely a big trip. It is definitely ambitious goal. Only big projects. I have a son who is going to college in two weeks. Another son is going to college next year. I have a family here in the United States to care for. I have kids, a lot of kids, to care for in Haiti. I have schools, orphanages, churches, church leaders, all under my, my care. When you have leaders in a country with no Infrastructure. Every time they get sick, whatever they need, hundreds of leaders, they just come to me. I have a board to organize in the U.S. I have boards to organize in Haiti. My largest church, between six to 10,000, Meeting even this morning, people are sitting on the floor. There is no roof over our head. Every money that we collect, we have no electricity. We have to buy gas. That is very expensive. And we have to take care of a very used generator. I have a university of over 200 students with five different majors. 140 churches in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic. A lot of time I have physical pain. Guess what? I don't even have dependable transportation. Can you repeat after me? Help! Help! I need help. You need help. You know there are projects that you can do alone. But what the psalm is saying is that I look 
to the mountain. I need to be honest. I already see that I cannot do it alone. I need help. Secondly, I try to categorize the help into three. One of them is spiritual help. When you stand looking at the mountain, the place that you need to go to worship God with all honesty, knowing myself spiritually, I know I cannot do it alone. I need help. I need help. I need spiritual help. I believe that's what the psalmist is saying. I lift my eyes toward the mountain to enter the presence of God. I need spiritual help. To be a pastor of this church, this church right here, you need a special anointing. To be a leader here, you need to reach a special spiritual level. To be a member here, you need to walk a certain way. David says in Psalm 24, the one who has clean hand and a pure heart. Do you remember what the Bible says in John 8, 7 about the woman caught in adultery? Jesus said, all right, but let the one who has never seen throw the first stone. And I believe that this means we all need spiritual help. David lifted his eyes to the mountain and said, where will help come from? I think that he doesn't, he is not talking just about spiritual help, but he's talking also about emotional help. In 2 Chronicles 20, 12, Jehoshaphat said, our God will not judge them, for we have no strength to face the vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Some commentators believe, and even it is common sense for us to believe that on a long journey to a highest mountain, the time and effort that it takes robbers and other challenges we face can easily make us feel that emotional help is needed to get to our destination. In Romans 8, verse 26, the Bible says, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us to wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
I particularly like those verses in a very special way because they express words that know me. And they teach me that God, through the Holy Spirit, knows me more than I know myself. When we lift our eyes to the mountain, we sometimes have need for spiritual help. Sometimes we need emotional help. But a lot of time, I feel like that I cannot make it physically. David could have found it difficult to make it alone physically. And this is why he said, where does my help come from? Just two weeks ago, I was on a 40-mile trip that I take twice a week from Capetian, where the mega church is, to Pino, where the university is. Every week, I have to drive 160 miles. And for each 40 miles, it takes three hours because of the bumpy road. That day on my last trip of the week, the truck broke down. And it took me six hours to get through 40 miles. I got home that day after midnight. I knew that I needed physical help. And we need to be honest, sometimes we, we know we need help physically. And David said, I need help. But where does my help come from? He gives the answer by saying, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And I need to remind you that this is the answer to the question where does my help come from? Not who is going to help me. Because so many times we fail, not because we are looking for help from from the direction that we should, but we're trying to get help from someone. But we learn here about the direction from which real help should be found. It says, from the Lord. And when David says, from the Lord, he is saying that we look up and beyond. A lot of time what happens to us is that we have our mountains and we stop at our mountains. We think all we need is to get that car. All we need is to get that house. All we need is to get that husband. All we need is to get a wife. We stop right there and we limit ourselves to the mountain. But David is saying... You look straight up to the mountain and go beyond the mountain. In my culture, 
we say the phrase beyond mountain, more mountain. But what we see is that beyond mountain, there is more mountain. And the more mountain that we see beyond the mountain is the one who has created the mountain, who knows the mountain, and knows me. He knows you. And he's the one who's going to help you by making everything, as the song says, beautiful in his time. And here is what he says that we benefit from the Lord. The Lord from whom we seek help. First of all, we get perfect experience. He is the maker. He is not learning how to help. He is a maker. Maker of heaven, maker of her. Beautiful thing that you witness the beauty of the heaven and the earth that declare his glory. We also benefit perfect surveillance. He says, he will not let you, your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not arm you by day, nor the moon by night. You are being monitored. Perfect surveillance. You cannot go right. You cannot go left without being under his care. He's watching over me, he's watching over us, he's watching over all of us. Thirdly, we benefit perfect assurance. They say, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. So you're looking for help after you lift up your eyes to the mountain. Remember that the mountain represents big challenges, but you should not worry. Just have faith and the mountain will be moved. You definitely need help. Maybe spiritual help, maybe emotional, maybe physical help. To find help, you need to look up and beyond the mountain. There you will find God who is greater than the mountain, a God who knows you much better than you know yourself. That's why I want you to know today that real help is found in Jesus, the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 60, verse 11, 12, give us help against our enemy. But human help is worthless. But with God, we will gain the victory and he will Bring the enemy down. In Psalm 20, verse 7 to 8, we read, Some trust in chariot and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood off right. I don't want you to forget 
what happened to the prophet, prophet of Baal. Their neck were cut off by the prophet of God, by Eli. Because unlike them, Eli, he sought help from God. God was his source of help. I want you to remember what happened to Goliath. You know what happened to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 45? He trusts in his strength, in his height. He came to David with sword, with spear and javelin. But David humiliated him, chopped his neck off because David found help from God. And this is the reason why I pray and I declare in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that any mountain that stands before you like Goliath, like the prophet of Baal, they would fall down. Fall down in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. That you would bring down all the mountain. All the mountain that stand before us. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would find help, strength in you and in you alone. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that wash away all our sin and give us victory over the devil, the world, and the flesh. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this people. May your name be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>